0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the college football inquirer. With Dan Wetzel. If Spencer Rattler wants to transfer, he's got plenty of cars to drive him there.
1: <laughs> Pete Thimble. If you are a bottom half of a Power 5 lead, it's like a 90% chance you are not going to go through your season with one starting quarterback.
2: With SI's Pat Forty. The first premise of Kirk Ferentz football is thou shalt not beat thyself.
0: Here's Pat. Pete hey, and Dan. Right, welcome to the pod overreaction Monday. And we could have, we have so much to overreact to, we could overreact until Tuesday. <laughs> Someone asked you why you love college football. This was it. From noon till night, till 3 a.m. or whatever, when UCLA kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter. And there may have been one later than that. It wasn't for me. Unbelievable day of college football. And there were so many games that it's it just was impossible to get through you know massive victories across the board i mean the, by the time AM and and bam are going at it like the arkansas old miss game which was a classic felt like it was like three weeks ago might as well have been <laughs> talking about arkansas and AM. uh just unbelievable moment uh, you know the big the big result obviously is AM. and I I don't know what they were doing imposters during the first five weeks of the season when they weren't any good team scores, 10 points against Colorado, 10 points against Arkansas loses to Mississippi state and then hangs 41 on Bama. And then I thought not only that finishes with the last 10 Bama essentially collapses. They cannot stop them on two straight drives and goes three and out absolute gag job by the, by the crimson tide, which you never saw coming first loss to an unranked team in a hundred games. Uh, I would argue A is not really your classic unranked team that's underperforming. Uh, and then the the great moment of when Seth Small kicks the final field goal at the end, and it heads directly left, full on hook like a bad tee shot, and then out of nowhere curves back. You see that thing? Like that thing was. I was like, oh no, he, oh he made it. I was like, I always root for the kicker. Generally, like I don't care who wins between AM and Alabama. I'm just watching and I'm like, I do not want to see this kid below the game in front of at that point, probably an audience of 10 million, 100,000, you know, like, oh, no. So he hits the field and I will make right now. I will apologize to the CBS execs that I mocked for taking this game as a prime time. Oh, they cashed their check. They, <laughs> they, they were right. I was wrong. It's wrong about a lot of things. Pat 40 AM Bama, thoughts. Stunning. I mean,
2: absolutely did not see this coming at all. You know, AM, as you noted, had just looked like a dysfunctional mess offensively when Haynes King, their starting quarterback, got hurt. Everything collapsed. Zach Calzada had not done much at all. So you know what? Good for him for the bounce-back performance there. A lot of people were on his case about the way he was performing, and then he steps up and has the best performance uh, of his career 21 to 31 285 3 touchdowns phenomenal but yeah the, the to me the, the big big shock is that Alabama after being down takes control takes the lead takes control and then gives it back you just don't see that you certainly don't expect that from a Nick Saban team but they absolutely did they gave the game away at the end couldn't stop them penalties uh, it was it was very surprising and I will say Alabama's played two true road games this year, and they're kind of lucky to even be one and one. They barely beat Florida, had to hang on there, and then they lose to Texas A&M. So you get them on the road in the SEC, and they've still got a couple of road games left. And they look like a good team, but certainly not a great team. And when Alabama loses a game like this, I think everybody
1: around the country is like, whoa, the the landscape just shifted yeah i thought you know not only did they blow the lead that they took but they just looked very uncharacteristic alabama two defenders on a key play on a&m's final drive literally run into each other and fall over like keystone cops that doesn't happen to alabama in the uh in, in the clutch there was obviously the uh the pass interference penalty which i thought was the big play that really took them from like oh no, college kicker field goal range to even the three of us could make it field goal range. Although, as Dan noted, he did, did, there was that, oh, okay, uh, moment uh, there. And and then you think to the Billingsley drop on the final Alabama drive. Like Alabama's sort of fait accompli move at victory. I think they just went three and out on that drive, which uh, there was uh, Young threw behind somebody. But the Billingsley drop was like, and even Saban said it after the game on his Zoom, like we were ready to go into two minute and we were ready to go. And that was, to get a two-minute offense going, you have to get that first first down, right? You have to get that first push and then go. And they literally were just stopped in their tracks and had to punt. Um, Zach Calzada was a overmatched backup quarterback against Arkansas and against Mississippi State and flashed next to nothing that showed he could be a high-end SEC starter slash Alabama giant killer. And good for that kid, man. He locked in and it was fun to see him on the field after the game celebrating like that. He delivered, you know, a historic moment. No matter whatever happens to his career, he will have that night in that moment. He can he can sign t shirts in the in the bookstore and go to the weird Yell night and, and be a hero. That's the night that undefeated Alabama went to college station and lost. I think it was the first loss to an unranked team for a number one. Since USC lost to Oregon State back in the Pete Carroll era, I mean, just a just a huge access shifting night.
0: Now look, Alabama wins out; they they win the national championship. If Alabama never loses again, they're going to win the national championship. So their path, I think, is still right there. They they went out. They A has got two losses in the league. This loss, you know, has no impact on Alabama. So there is that. But this was an Alabama team. And great win for A&M and great effort. They played so hard. The crowd was incredible. They, I don't know how many false starts. Uh, d- different stuff that happened in that game. They rattled Bama. It was incredible. That that pseudo army they have uh, was out. <laughs> the pirate. Pseudo army. The pirate. <laughs> That's what Leach used to call him, the pirates. Yeah. the pi- Well, no, he said we can't create our I – that, wasn't that when he became a pirate? Okay. Someone look up that old quote. I think he just said I'm gonna name if you just say you're an army and but you're not, it's like the salvation army, right? right? It's like (laughs) you're not really an army. It's not what that's about. But like, I don't know. They're always in the their dress garbs. So guys with swords on the (laughs) sideline. Like, what is that? (laughs) Like I get like the New England Patriots they got the the Minutemen with the guns after okay you know shoot a cannon off so there's some military aspects I'm fine like that was weird like you guys look ready for battle like who is there going to be a sword fight I don't know they're going to carve it's up that, big, a, that places, big elephant. one of the stranger places
2: in college
0: there's an army we have a we have our own branch of the military here but it doesn't matter great night i don't want to know what's going on in that (laughs) the depths of central texas or wherever that thing is all right alabama there were these moments where they looked like alabama the block punt, like when he when they got the block punt for a touchdown and it is it goes to i think got that down to 24 17 i'm like here we go and I I I would bet a solid 50% of AM fans, if not more, were like, we're gonna lose the game. Oh, sure. But then they give up a kickoff, you know, but then they start getting down. They're driving the ball. And but they're, you know, they they hold AM to three play, three and out, four and out, three and out. But they get to the red zone, can't get in. Field goal, field goal in the middle of that. But they take the lead and then just boom. This is I, I thought Alabama was gonna win the game, obviously, until the very end especially, um, you know, the injury and all that. So I, I, I'm thinking Alabama's going to win, but I'm like, this is a fun deal. Watch. It's like the Florida game. It's fun to watch Alabama in a fight. I don't, you guys may, probably did not watch the uh, Wilder Fury heavyweight fight after, but it was a phenomenal heavyweight fight because both guys got knocked down multiple times. It's like, this is what you want. Like, there's Alabama is not the juggernaut this year. They can win the rest of their games, win the national title. I would not be surprised, but. They've got to earn it this year. they And just walking into places and just kicking the hell out of them. So it was really fun. I'm like, okay, this is what the season's going to be about. Other than Georgia, I have no faith that anyone's just rolling through anything. It is going to be a dogfight throughout. So fascinating. I, you know, Bama needs work. They they have everything in front of them, though. I I brought this up in takeaways today,
1: Dan. And I, I think it's sort of should at least enter the conversational lexicon. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Alabama could lose two games and go to the playoffs. If they, if they went out and lose to Georgia, like, I think we have to like wrap our mind around the potential of a two loss team being in this, in this CFP conversation. Like we've obviously referenced that delightfully zany 2007 season, a bunch of times when LSU was undefeated in regulation, but, uh, but lost two overtime games and ended up like the world went sideways on its head and they ended up in the final two, which was just, uh, Which was just insane, and that at least has to like be a possibility right now. I mean, Iowa's great. We'll get to them. They could certainly lose a game. You know, they could pick pick a Big Ten West team, and they could fall to them at some at some juncture. So then all of a sudden you're like one loss, Iowa. You know, or Iowa wins out and loses to Ohio State in the in the in the title game. Then I just think that two loss Alabama could become a factor at some point that would be interesting. Uh, I mean,
2: it's not out of the question. Nothing's out of the question at this point. I mean, we've seen enough turbulence and enough upset losses uh, that, yeah, I mean, it's you know, theoretically, sure. You know, I, I, it will be obviously very interesting to see not just what the pollsters do with Alabama, but when we finally get around to having a selection committee ranking, do, if if Alabama's still sitting there with one loss, where are they in relation to other one loss teams? Are they automatically the highest because they're Alabama or where are they if if Ohio State's still sitting there with one loss? If Oregon, which beat Ohio State on its own field, is still sitting there with one loss, you know, how do you order those teams? That's going to be fairly important, I think. And there's a lot of sorting still to go. But the Big Ten, especially in the East, presents those teams, all of them with a lot of chances for quality wins against highly ranked opponents. If somebody can get through that and it's like October 30th, November 27th, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State all play each other in that five Saturday block. If somebody can get through that without losing or if they only, you know, if, if anyway, if, if the winner of the Big Ten East only has one loss going into the postseason, they're going to be a, a major factor there. And we may end up, who knows, with two Big Ten teams in the conversation. But uh, a lot to play well, out. I, just, what about this?
0: What about yeah. this one? Let's say it's Michigan is unbeaten playing Ohio State with one loss. Ohio State wins the game, then goes on and wins the Big Ten. What about Michigan? Would sure. be sitting there at 11 and one. Yeah. And have a whole bunch of quality wins you could compare to, you know, something like that. So it's to a two loss Bama team, you know, and again, these things all come down. The one thing Alabama has going for it is the proverbial what if you lose on a last second field goal on the road, at, you know, right? It's, right. A, it's an understandable loss, but still yeah. they lost. Yeah. So, at, that will be wild I don't know if a two loss can get in they'll need a lot of help but there's a lot of there's a lot out there still oh, yeah. um including three unbeaten uh big 10 teams at, at this at this stretch we got to move on we have so many games Red River <laughs> largest <laughs> comeback in Red River history 21 points uh this was absolutely a bonkers game this is why we we're, were all last week no one wanted to really bet on the no one wanted to pick the Red River because it's just chaos. And that spread is just its, it's irrelevant. Like something's going to happen that's going to mock the spread, which happened, by the way. But we'll start with this. Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, terrible to start. They dropped by 21. In comes Caleb Williams. Turns out the student section at Oklahoma knew what they were talking about. They must have <laughs> been sneaking in to watch practice. He rallies them. They outscore Texas 35-10 with Caleb Williams in there. But then Rattler comes back for the critical two-point conversion to make it 41-41. I, that is one of those. That is what does Rafter call them, onions? That is an onion substitution of like, yeah. what? I was like, wait, is Rattler back in? What is going <laughs> on? He converts it. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then this game had six touchdowns of 30 or more uh, by both teams combined. Six, including Kennedy Brooks, 33 yards with one second left to basically walk off and win the game. And screw the point spread <laughs> if you just tackle them, Texas, and make them kick the field goal. Some of us leave happy. Yeah. Uh, we I hate had the betting same on Texas. There, I hate them. They have no heart. It, it, I can't stand <laughs> betting on Texas god come <laughs> well, just tackle him don't let him score a touchdown the only i'm sitting there going i can't I, this is gonna be great kick the field goal i don't want overtime i don't want overtime ah yeah Kennedy not Brooks. only did Incredible they not, run not I mean, only did they not tackle him i'm not
2: sure they really even got a hand on him or a hit on him you know it's just kind of like oh was, uh, there he goes oh gee oh like, gosh oh well what have you
0: seen a game end on a 33-yard walk-off run when all the guy's <laughs> doing is trying to kill clock for the field goal? Right. The only thing crazier, and we're going to get to it, is Iowa taking victory formation when they, could, <laughs> when they couldn't run, even the, run, the, run clock out the clock. I got, yeah. I'm going to get to that, though. All right. Caleb Williams, 15-24, 211 yards, two TDs, four carries, 88 yards, one TD. Spencer Rattler, 9-16, of 16, 112, one inch, and two sacks. Okay? Caleb Williams was phenomenal. A true freshman out of Washington, D.C. area. He has lived up to the hype. Pete, who is Rattler done here? I I mean, I think, will they just revolt and overturn and burn the Sooner Schooner in Norman if, (laughs) if, if Spencer Rattler's back out there as the starter the rest of the way?
1: Again, Lincoln Riley has forgotten more about quarterback play today than I ever have in my life. But it seemed pretty obvious who the best quarterback at Oklahoma is yesterday. This is the second year in a row Spencer Rattler has been benched in the Red River game for just simply not playing well. And... Caleb Williams went and seized the day with the stakes the biggest, down 28-7, rolls in on a fourth and one on the first play of the second quarter and just blitzes through the the Texas defense for a 66-yard run. Caleb Williams was everything Spencer Rattler hasn't been in some of these big games. He's been poised. He's collected. He's accurate. He didn't make fatal mistakes. I don't see any way that Spencer Rattler gets his job back. I, I think it's fairly obvious, and I think Lincoln Riley's histrionics of not letting Williams uh you know do the post game interview and not saying right away like what they're going to do going forward is the biggest tip of his hand. Like he's trying to manage that situation within his locker room. And I mean by dinnertime on Saturday, I had coaches texting me, "Think he goes to Georgia after JT Daniels goes? Think Rattler goes to, you know, one of the Arizona schools where he's from? Do you think he goes to Texas A&M?" Like like, people are already – this is college football. People are already wondering where Spencer Rattler will transfer to next year. Um, and that's just the that's just the sport we're in. Maybe it's Miami where he takes over for De'Air King. That's the reality of Spencer Rattler. I don't think there's any NFL market for him. And we, we've we said this on the show a few times. We've been pretty Spencer Rattler skeptical, I think, our, our listeners here. And uh, we've been pretty bullish on Caleb Williams too. Caleb Williams to me – is a quarterback of the talent who can pick up that Oklahoma lineage that we've seen under Lincoln Riley. Now, it's not fair to say he's going to be the number one pick in the draft, right? But he is going to be a high-end Big 12 quarterback like who can eventually develop into someone who can run that offense like a, uh, like a maestro and, and keep Oklahoma a step ahead of, uh, of, of everyone else. I think we saw the first flash of that today and I've got to know Caleb Williams a bit through doing some stories on him in high school. You spent 10 minutes around that kid. It's a no-brainer that he's going to just be uh, on a rocket ship to start him.
2: Yeah, I mean that there's no doubt that Caleb Williams is the quarterback going forward. Uh I still I wouldn't still wouldn't be surprised if Rattler tries to go pro. You know, he's a draft eligible and <laughs> he's draft eligible and he he's got a reputation. I mean, what we what were people saying coming into the season? I didn't I don't think they were saying it accurately, but they were saying he was going to be the top quarterback in the draft. That was the what people were saying. Based on what? I don't know because I watched him last year and he wasn't that good, but that's what people were saying over and over and over. So if you've been hearing that basically since you're 17 years old, you're an NFL quarterback, it's hard to get that thought out of your
0: head. Uh, so we'll see what he does, but fifth quarterback at a training camp—like he's not even a live arm for camp work. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not.
2: But I, I you know what, what? <laughs> this is more of a basketball equivalency. But how many guys have gone pro? We weren't going to get but drafted. You know, those, because-
0: those guys, yes, but then they can go play other places. Yeah, like football, you're out. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Going to Canada? Like, uh, yeah, those there's a half the league is almost everybody in the league now played in the G League. Right. And you see these stories of these guys. And it's like, I went to I was in Italy and I was in Serbia. I was in Australia. I was in Israel and I was in the Rio Grande, whatever, fighting ants. And then I'm up on it. And then it's like, I got a 10 day contract and boom. Yeah. If Spencer Rattler wants to transfer, he's got plenty of cars to drive him there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Two cars, two cars. For the second Peace
1: string
0: out. quarterback. Peace out, Norman. I it, took you for everything you got. Yeah.
1: You know what this Rattler situation is indicative of? And I think it underscores something really, really important. And we've seen it with Bram Mertz in a couple others hours this year. Your ranking in high school is really important because that can carry you past actual bad performance. I mean, Pat mentioned basketball. I was thinking the same thing. How many five star guys? Now, some of these guys are 7 1, and there's only so many humans walking the earth that are 7 1. But in, in in football now, you are getting a pass for performance if you if you had the hype and that ranking that you get early and you cultivate and you go to the camps and you have the right tutors. That stuff's important, like in terms of the bottom line for Spencer Rattler. Um, in terms of the bottom line for, I mean, Graham Mertz got a ton of NIL deal. He's not great, right? And he's just a, he's just a guy right now. But the reason why. We don't <laughs> – the look on Pat's face. The reason why we think of him through a different prism is because of, of the recruiting rankings. And the recruiting rankings at the very least right now are a key to wealth in a different level platform. And we have seen brands go after guys with high recruiting rankings who may not have been productive. Now, that may adjust as, as we go forward here. There's been a little bit of like a, like a new car scent to this NIL stuff, right? Like everybody kind of wants to jump in and, and, and give it, uh, and, 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 give it a shot. Yeah. Get your stars, boys. That's going to, uh, that's going to, that's going to get you some dough. Yeah. The payoffs. But,
0: the payoffs now need to be to the recruiting rankers. Yeah. Right. Hey, those guys off. No I, kidding. I need a five star. Yeah, there's man, your, And I, your, I will your, cut you in. I'll cut you in on 2% of my future stuff. Man. Right. That's that's a, that your that would never happen at Rivals,
1: Which is owned by Yahoo, but I would imagine that's <laughs> happened somewhere along the other, other places. In the, in in our it. guys are the best. Our, guys are, <laughs> Our guys
0: are actually the best. They, they actually are good. Are the They're best. really they good. The
1: yes, I was. That was not they a really knock were. on rivals. No. That was just I was just there's been some there has been some either information exchange like the recruiting rankings over the years. There's some coaches who will famously call and lobby for guys. Sure. Um. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a there's a there's a fairly famous story of a coach calling to lobby for like a Heisman Trophy caliber guy. And he was like, right. But the people at the recruiting places were like, "Well, you also called about these three guys who stunk too, because like because <laughs> well, the coaches' bonuses are tied to it. Why yeah. wouldn't they? Like, sure. you know, hey, help us out here. We're going to help you out with you know where
0: where when he visits and oh, all right. guys get a bonus if you recruit a top five star, you know, like you recruit a five, five star player. That, those, I don't know, about now they used to have them. Yeah, all right, let me get to this. Brady also gets a bonus if
1: five stars well, show true. up
0: in the sky over stores. Still, so. <laughs> well, they don't. <laughs> um, Caleb Williams represents this and this will lead into our next game you need a second quarterback uh, yeah. and it's really hard to keep a second quarterback on your campus because you can transfer at the, at the drop of a hat so Calzada right that's your second string quarterback you got injuries so he's playing Caleb Williams comes in or they are getting boat raced in the Red River uh, Notre Dame wins a a knife fight with Virginia tech because Tyler Buckner comes in they're They're freshmen and, and at least settles it down before Cone comes back. You need that extra guy, Penn state game. You were at Pat are in Iowa city. Once Sean Clifford goes down Taquan Roberson comes in seven of 21 for 34 yards. They is some of the missing open players by five yards just zero chance, zero chance. Penn State does not have a second quarterback. Their second quarterback is Will Levis, who's down at Kentucky, uh, drinking mayo coffee and going six and zero and pounding on uh, LSU, throwing three touchdowns. Right. So this is the problem because a guy like Will Levis would have been your second string quarterback, perhaps. And Penn State's going to win that game, maybe. Instead, it's like, why am I sticking around? I go to Kentucky and I'm in here. Like it is so hard. You need two quarterbacks. And if you don't have one, you only have one, you are you could be in a lot of trouble. Absolutely. I mean, they, I've
2: rarely, if ever, seen a more vivid example than what I watched in Kinnick Stadium, where Sean Clifford was, He he did throw two interceptions, but he was playing well. I mean, he was moving them up and down the field against a really good defense. They had three scoring drives in their first five possessions. He's running the ball, and the whole game plan was, we got to throw it, 45 times because we can't run against these guys and so you've you've got to have a quarterback who can throw and 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 Clifford was dealing and and he was getting it done and when he went down like not just did Roberson struggle with throwing the ball but just getting the team lined up and getting a playoff I mean that was the shocking thing is when when Roberson came in, From that point on for the rest of the game, Penn State had eight false starts. At one point, they had three in a row on the first drive that Roberson was in there. And this, it was amazing, really, to watch the crowd impact a game the way they did. This is a very tight stadium. There's very little room between the stands and the field. And you could just literally feel and see the fan noise pressing on Penn State and turning them into jelly. And, I mean, you you talk about a quarterback who was deer in the headlights and took his team down with him, God help him, Uh, that's what happened. It was astounding, really. And, yeah, you know what, Penn State's the kind of program where you would think the backup quarterback's pretty good. Now, the backup quarterback is the starter at Kentucky, and they're 6-0 for the first time since Bear Bryant was the coach. So, that happened, but still, there's got to be, you would think, somebody else there who you've either can coach up or that can go in who's got the ability to – run plays so that you have a chance in a game of that magnitude and look Iowa was lucky that they that knocked Clifford out but they knocked Clifford out that's that's defense and that's physical football you know you you hit the quarterback until the quarterback either doesn't want to play or can't play and they knocked him out of that game and that gave him the chance there so they sure there's not many places that have a Caleb Williams sitting on the bench you know, and I mean, the play to me the, 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 where I was like, oh, my God, this guy is a superstar is when he stepped up and threw the 52-yard bomb to Marvin Mims. I mean, incredible pass off a of one foot and Mims, incredible catch. If there's one play, I can't fault Texas for, I, I can fault Texas defense for 4,000 things in that game, but not that play. That was just a great quarterback and a great receiver making a play. Everybody wishes they had even a half of Caleb Williams on the bench right now.
1: So the most compelling character to me uh, late Saturday all of a sudden became Blake Bost, right? Zach Calzada goes into the injury tent. He looked hurt. Like he limped off the field. His knee looked hurt. And then all of a sudden, it's a true freshman walk-on from Groves, Texas, Port Neches groves High School. Now, I like immediately went to his rivals profile he had like offers from Incarnate Word and Austin P so he wasn't like you know some guy who just uh they pulled out of the yell call or whatever he he seemingly was decent but can you imagine i actually before uh Calzada walked out of the injury tent. Remember, Jimbo was so concerned. He went into the injury tent. I don't know if I've ever seen a head coach go into the injury tent to check on a player. Is and he that's coaching they up they the medical bear. personnel there? Yeah. Whatever whatever got
0: done in there, that was like Mr. Miyagi and the karate kid because that kid was like, he's out. Next thing you know, he's good. We're 0 for 24 against this guy for a reason,
1: Calzada.
0: Let's go. They called that, that the Texas A&M Army medic. <laughs> you got in there, you got yeah. special. So, uh,
1: can you imagine like having gone to high school with Blake Bost, and you're sitting there on uh, Saturday night uh, in your freshman dorm room, having a having a bush light and watching watching a And M be like, oh my God, my buddy's about to go in the game <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama, oh no, oh, yeah. No. Oh, by the way, all you have to do is march down the field and beat Alabama. No big deal, Blake. Like, <laughs> but. There is like – it was a great point by Dan. Like, uh, Remember Gardner Minshew was a minute away from going to Alabama as a backup. He got promised a GA spot. He was going to go into coaching. And Gardner Minshew ended up going to Washington State, became an NFL quarterback, and he's a perfectly viable backup quarterback in the uh, the National Football League. That speaks to me to Saban being a step ahead. Not that he knew Minshew would be this good, but coaches are going to try to find older roster players – and keep them around as as viable backups going forward. There is a huge market. If you are a 21-year-old who's been in a college system for three, four years, there's a robust market for you because you are needed because you, you have to you have to live. Like at Ohio State right now, like every everyone's wondering, well, which where's Jack Miller gonna go? Kyle McCord gonna stick around. Like, that's just the way the game is being played right now. It's it's a free market and it's created a market inefficiency for for dependable backup quarterbacks
0: zeb no let me say this i also want to add jt daniels and stetson bennett at georgia absolutely well if you don't have if you don't have stetson bennett maybe you drop one of those games you know he's he's, so this is my thing and this is what we predicted when the world was going to end because you could transfer or the world was going to end because it's nil it spreads out the talent the, 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 you know, the the famous one I always make fun of was when poor old Ohio State had to go to their third-string quarterback, and it was Cardell Jones who was p- going to play in the NFL. It's not like you have a stiff as your third-string quarterback at these levels. Well, now you might because some kids going, hey, I can make money, I can start, I can transfer in league now. That always made, you know, you remember they used to block them? You know, if you were oh, a yeah. Florida State, yeah. you might you might not be able to go anywhere. Or to, Closest school you go to is Colorado State. You know they do anything they could to try (laughs) to come up with these crazy things. We scheduled Georgia in twenty twenty nine. You can't go there, (laughs) right? Somehow, every other sport, like the NFL, you can get cut and picked up in the uh, your next week's opponent in one minute. But (laughs) there's no way for college. He will he will give us the secrets for that game (laughs) three years from now. Now you can transfer in the league. So. This is going to continue. Kids aren't going to sit and be third string. You're looking at the Will Levis story. Will Levis would have been backup QB at Penn State, or he is right now like the king of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Good choice. Uh, Besides the NIL. So the sport should get flatter. Now, I'm not going to say it's flat, but it should get flatter. And this is what we're talking about when a school like Penn State has one guy. They can't stockpile, and their guys are running elsewhere. And you said Ohio State's got four right now. They're going to have four by the end of the year. And you also, the coach that works these backups and maybe gets them in games, uh, as many as possibly can, or finds a role. You see Jim Harbaugh finding a role for his his talented freshman. You're going to run. We're going to get you in games huge part of this sport right now because you just can't sit back and be like, I got every, I got a, I got a four or five star in every recruiting class. They'll all wait their turn. There's a statistic I've been told that's completely unverified,
1: but very believable that if you are a bottom half of a power five league, it's like a 90% chance you are not going to go through your season with one starting quarterback, meaning like that dude's going to go under assault. And at some point, like you're going to have to start the backup. Like, yeah, the, the backup conundrum is like one of the most fascinating roster build up, uh, roster building dynamics going forward in uh, you know, in in the sport because
2: yeah. they are important. Well, that's where you wait
0: your turn or get an opportunity. Yeah,
2: that's they, why it's a good use for your staff of sixty seven analysts and GAs and assistants and everything like that is just to be constantly scouring the landscape. Where are we going to get our next quarterback or our next backup quarterback? You know, a, those. Those there are people that, that their job is basically just to look for potential transfers out there. And that's the way of the world
0: right now. But it's hard to convince a guy at the end of his career to go take a job where you have no guarantee to play. I think it's easier to co- say, hey, listen, you've already done. Let's say you're the cube. Let's say you lose the job. I don't know, some NC State, some some mid mid-level league and you got a year or two left. And one guy saying, "Hey, come here, and we might get you in a game at Alabama." That's tempting. Might win a national championship. You might get. But you know what? If Marshall's saying, I'll, "I'll make you the starter the next two years," and you know, that's, or Wisconsin so, in that scenario, or, or Wisconsin, right? Or <laughs> right, Penn State to Kentucky. It's hardly like a big step. You know, I mean, Penn State's football program is much more renowned than Kentucky's, but it's not that big of a step. So it's just, uh, I don't know. It's going to be very, very interesting. All right, I want to talk about Iowa though quickly. They are. Uh, 6-0, they have Purdue. They are at Wisconsin. They are at Northwestern. They got Minnesota, Illinois, and at Nebraska. Of that, only Purdue and Minnesota have winning records, three and two each. Pat, you watch this team. They are blowing out. Well, they blew out Maryland, but they don't blow out many people. It's going to be a rock fight the whole way, but could we see 12-0 Iowa Going into the Big Ten, could they run this table? I mean, they certainly be favored in every one of those games. I would assume. I can't imagine one they're not, unless it's Nebraska. If they, they got mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't see it. Right? They're going to be favored in every point. game. They're it, in good shape. Yeah. Oh, Pat, they're in
2: phenomenal shape. Unbelievable shape. Uh, you know, they they are. They've got three Big Ten wins already. They got the nice non conference win over Iowa State on the road, and they're in the West, which is by far the easier division. So, yes, I think it's extremely possible they're 12 and 0 as you said like the margin for error is not luxurious so you show up and you have a bad day at the wrong time you could you could lose to purdue you could lose at wisconsin you could lose at nebraska we'll see you know i think pete was alluding to what is nebraska in the tank at that point or not but nebraska can can move the ball and can score, and we'll see if Adrian Martinez drops the ball while he's moving the ball. But I mean, Nebraska came extremely close to making both Michigan and Michigan State one loss teams instead of undefeated teams. I mean, they they are a dangerous opponent down there at the end of the schedule. You know, the Iowa thing. This is this is so Kirk Ferentz, it almost hurts. You know, I mean, it, it is just them doing what they have always done and doing it maybe better than they have ever before, which is, you know, all the, the old school tenets of football, it is field position, it is turnover margin, it's, you know, uh, defense, it's making sure the other team respects your running game, even if your running game isn't very good, but you're going to continue to do it until you can throw a play action bomb for the winning touchdown against Penn State. It it is funny. It's a little bit reassuring, I guess, you know, at a time when everybody out there wants to tell you that you are a coward or a chicken or a loser if you don't go for every fourth down to see Kirk Ferentz continually get the ball in plus territory on the other side of the 50 and still punt the ball and win a huge game doing that because he's got a great punter who knocks it down there inside the five and they go cover it. And then the crowd starts going crazy and everything goes Iowa's way at that point. It is a, a pretty amazing kind of defiance almost of the way football has been going for Kirk Ferentz to, to be succeeding wildly in the direction he has. Now, I also I look at them and I see a lot of their 2015 team, which somehow went 12 and 0 and darn near 13 and 0 when they lost a thrilling uh, Big Ten championship game to Michigan State. And then finally in the Rose Bowl got exposed and destroyed by Christian McCaffrey in Stanford. This team could be that team. You could be end up 12 and 0 and lose by 40 to Ohio state or somebody in the conference championship game, or God forbid you get into the playoff and all of a sudden you play Georgia and lose by 30. Cause you can't even get past your own 40 yard line, something like that. So look, I give Iowa a ton of credit for getting every single drop they can out of this team. But this team at some point could have a very, very hard
1: reckoning coming if they make it to the playoff. You know, it has to take a rare occurrence for me to overtly compliment my friend Pat 40 on this podcast, but I do, I do, Tip my hat, my journalism cap, my fedora to Pat's lead from Iowa City on Saturday night. Quote, when they build the Kirk Ferentz Museum of Fundamental Football here in a drab but sensible building at the corner of straight and narrow, they should devote an entire wing to Iowa's 23-20 victory over Penn State Saturday. This was a Louvre-quality exhibition of every basic building block that has made Ferentz
0: a Hall of Fame football coach.
2: Rack that, Sully. rack it and keep it for posterity. that is good.
0: I got one boat, one thing, one fact check. that building would be just a square. <laughs> so there would be no wings yeah. Just be square. A section of the windowless building. it'd be like the their basketball stadium is dug in that like good yeah. uh, environmental, right? <laughs> keep the heat and cost down. Uh-huh. Okay. If they want to make it
1: nice. kid friendly, they, they 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 wouldn't put like grass to throw the ball. They would just put a punting patch in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, punting. punting. Where's, where's the end zone? Yeah, we just punt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be an end zone to throw touchdowns in. It would be an end zone to, to, to cover kicks That's inside right. the five. That's right. <laughs> Downing kicks.
0: Well, let me say this about the punt. This is the most, one of the most remarkable s- stretches of football I've ever seen. Iowa is leading by three. 23 to 20. They get the ball on an interception, right? They immediately, at, with 218 left, Penn State has one timeout. They go into victory formation. <laughs> Take a knee for one-yard loss. Penn State burns its final timeout at 213. Same thing, three-yard loss, then a three-yard loss. They finally call timeout. And I'm watching the game, and I'm looking going, wait a minute, how – how is the clock going to run out here? There's too much time. And I'm like, maybe I'm an idiot and I can't figure out the clock, but this doesn't compute to me. And I'm like, maybe I'm confusing the NFL time. I'm all confused. Sure enough, they have to punt the ball with 46 seconds left. They did three victory formations at the Penn State, like they were at the 40 yard line of Penn State rather than run plays and try to kick a field goal to ice the game or drive in for a touchdown, they victory formationed before you could victory <laughs> formation so they could punt it one last time, okay, and leave Penn State with 32 seconds left, and all they need is a field goal. Now, the crazy part is because it's Kurt Ferrens and because it's Iowa and because Penn State's backup QB was bad, it made sense. <laughs> Like this would have been the worst coaching decision in the history of coaching decisions. It was the idiot went for a victory formation when victory wasn't assured yet, because of its (laughs) circumstances, like it's kind of smart, kind of (laughs) smart.
2: Look, the fun, the first premise of Kirk Ferentz football is thou shalt not beat thyself. And if you run the ball, you may fumble. (laughs) So don't fumble. And Yes, the (laughs) the second part of the equation, obviously, is the fact that Penn State's quarterback had shown no ability to complete enough passes to get them in field goal range. So you do what you do. You kick it down there deep. You get the crowd on top of them, and you watch Penn State melt down one more time.
0: It was perfect, Kirk Ferentz football. Penn State got it at the eight, but all they had to do was they only needed a field goal. Gate, you chose to give them the ball back. It's incredible. Yeah, and they weren't on like the
1: minus ten. That, no. was the, that was the part that was remarkable about it. Like, they didn't have to go very far to get a field goal. They were, what, 15 yards from field goal range? I wonder when the They're last time Iowa... They were at the 40-yard Iowa... yeah. line. Penn yeah. State's I wonder, 40. I wonder when the last time Iowa had a punt blocked. Like, that yeah. has to go into the calculus here, right? Yeah. That... Like, who was the last team to block an Iowa
0: punt? I have Whoever's no idea. Whoever's responsible is subject to execution <laughs> in the state of Iowa. It's in the bylaws, and <laughs> the Constitution. They wrote it into the Constitution of Iowa, so no future... Politician could rewrite it. Yeah, no, you, ta- you we need cannot. to. We need
1: to at least quickly ask Pat if he did go to Ames to try the tap. He was just thirty-five minutes away.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I let down the pot. I did not go to Ames for the tap. I, I t- the Des Moines tap was was very good. I did have some of that, and I have to say, you know, I mean, I, I think the the, <laughs> the runoff from if if it runs from Ames north to Des Moines, it's it's all good. So. It,
1: it was an enjoyable toothbrush this morning. Like, very good. You got up and you, you know? just gave, ooh, just crisp,
2: crisp on the top. All of my interactions with the Des Moines tap water have been very positive.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's not far. It's probably the same, you know, aquifier or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, who knows? Who knows? All right. Staying in that region of the country, Michigan goes to Nebraska. And if everyone wasn't watching AM Alabama, this would have been one of the this is a classically great game. it was a great game lead changes Michigan uh first of hats off to Nebraska as just an environment for football it's just phenomenal 13 zip they're losing at half and the fans stay standing and as loud as ever there's no give up like and 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 credit to the Nebraska players who if Scott Frost has supposedly, getting fired or this or that. Like, he had lost that team. They played hard against Michigan. But 32-29 for Michigan, I think that the thing is, it was like this is the kind of game Michigan lost under Jim Harbaugh. Michigan uh, gives up a lead. They don't come back and get it back like in this. They don't get the the strip fumble of Adrian Martinez. They get strip fumbled. The other team's final drive isn't a, isn't chaotic and disorganized. It's theirs, and they walk off looking distraught. This is a different Michigan team. How good Michigan team is, pretty good. I don't know whether, you know, can they beat Ohio State? Can they win this thing? Still to see. But 6-0, it was a great environment. It was a great game, and, and Michigan showed everything they had to, to win it. Their combo of Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum are tremendous. Uh, 123 yards for Haskins, 89 for Corum hurtling people. Haskins is a great player and he was a low rated recruit. I think the only other visit he had was Wyoming. Like they've developed him over the couple of years. So huge, huge win for Michigan, if only because it just shows kind of a different a different mindset to this team that you hadn't had uh, in the past. And they needed every bit of it to escape uh, to escape Lincoln. Yeah, so I was obviously, you know, dueling on my laptop and
1: my screen last night at home watching, uh, watching Texas A&M sort of teeter there late. And then obviously, you know, give give Michigan credit. Like in the middle of as, uh, you know, as, as difficult an environment as you could play in, they didn't flinch. And that's not something... That we can say, you know, about a Michigan team under Jim Harbaugh in, in every circumstance, right? Like they uh, they went in there, they went into a hostile environment. I had, uh, you know, I picked them to lose and, and they stripped Adrian Martinez when it mattered most. And the reaction from Scott Frost on the sideline from that will be an eternal gif. He was just like this. You could see, you could see his black wedding ring on his hand. You could just see his hand covering his face. It was just like, we were right there. We were going to do this. We were going to get that you know, momentum-searing win. I think the stat they flashed on TV was he's 0-10 against ranked teams. Everything had happened and everything had aligned. The team had come back. The crowd had stayed. Nebraska was was going to make like a last stand for Scott Frost here, and it just all got ripped away on that play when Michigan just, just stripped the ball out of Adrian Martinez's hand. So Scott Frost remains winless against ranked opponent. Ultimately, I just think that's going to be a big part of the calculus when you look forward at his tenure.
0: All right. Before we get, you know, we can't move on without this, this black wedding ring situation that Scott Frost has <laughs> situation. I, I did not know. I mean, it seems kind of ominous, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, <laughs> you know, I know we're I know we're big romantics here on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like even for those of us who may not be the most romantic, like the wedding ring, like black. Like, it's kind of badass. I like that. I like that. You know, that gu- I did not know. It's apparently very trendy. Oh, yeah. And uh, Where you the been, black Dan? wedding ring. I, yeah. I didn't know about this. Yeah. You, you've been you know about the black
2: wedding ring. Pack. I've heard about that. I've seen them. Yeah. And I've seen people like getting tattoos now instead of a wedding ring on their ring finger. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of different Yo. stuff out there now.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's that's dicey. <laughs> I did not know about the black wedding ring. Yeah. Black shirts, defense, black wedding rings. They're just badasses out there in Lincoln. That's it. Just badasses. Anyway. <laughs> badasses with bad football team.
2: But, you know, that's well, the way it goes. There is that. Hey, give give Michigan credit for basically they keep checking boxes on this season. All right? First of all, they're undefeated. But, for, you know, we watched them and they were really good early on. And then we were like, okay, well, let's see if they can take it on the road. Because they started their first four games were all at home. You win them all. Well, you go to Camp Randall and you thump a Wisconsin program that has beaten you badly the two previous times, you, most recent times you played them. Check another box. Okay, well, Wisconsin's not very good. Let's see what happens when they go play a hot Nebraska team with a productive offense. Well, check that box too. They've now, you know, they've they've done what they have needed to do. We are getting closer. We're going into a bye week now for them. And then they have Northwestern at home and Northwestern does not look good we're getting closer to a really big, interesting, fun Michigan-Michigan State game on October 30th because both of those teams have checked all the boxes they need to to date.
1: Dan, will that game get you off the couch? Will that game get you going? I, I think it's in East Lansing, right?
0: Yeah, East Lansing. Let's not get crazy. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> i got a lot of things to do on my Saturdays. I can't be spending it all uh Going up there. Now, that will be an electric atmosphere, to say the least. So we will we will see. But, um, you know, speaking of Michigan State, uh, again, talk about checking boxes. You know, they are now bowl eligible in six weeks as a team with a four and a half over under win total. They pounded Rutgers and they did it with this big play offense that was not how Michigan State was really great, uh, at least under under Mark D'Antonio. They had good players and they had good plays, but not like this. Kenneth Walker the third, 233 yards, rushing at a 94-yard run. Jalen Naylor, five catches for 221 yards and three touchdowns. How's that for productivity? Big plays beat Rutgers. They're not slogging through. Walker is fascinating to me. He's a transfer from Wake Forest. I saw something. He's like only plus 1,200 for the Heisman. And I know, man, there's some value there. If he keeps this up... These quarterbacks have not – it's not just going to go to a quarterback. He keeps this up, and he does this against Michigan and Ohio State going forward. I'm not so sure he doesn't win the Heisman. Sure. I mean, he's putting up massive numbers. Yeah. And Michigan State is really good. You know, so very – you know, you're looking for we a can talk bet? about. It. We can talk
1: about it this week, but, like, there's no Heisman. There's nobody that jumps out at me right now. I haven't put a ton of thought to it, but, like, you there's nobody you can, like, plant on the ground as the Heisman favorite right nope. now. Nope. The best players. There's God bless Iowa, but you're not going to put the punter up, right? Um, There's nobody at Georgia's collective defense has him there. Alabama doesn't have that guy. Yeah, so like it's usually you know the best player and the best team, right? That's what we default to. So yeah, like this could be the year. Now it'll it'll be an interesting test of Heisman voters' creativity and open mindedness, but. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I, this Heisman race has me excited because I have no idea where it's going to end.
0: I'll give you, going in, this is, uh, we had this on Yahoo, going into Saturday, so this is going in, Bryce Young at Alabama was the betting favorite at plus 150. I don't think that's, old Miss QB, Matt Corral is plus 230. You know, had a nice game against Arkansas, 287, rushed for 94, four TDs, he's a great player, but, I mean, really? Like, that's... Uh, I mean, who knows how many losses Ole Miss is going to have. C.J. Stroud at Ohio State's plus 1,000. Uh, Bajan Robinson's plus 1,400. Again, that's going into the game. He had a huge game, but they lost. Desmond Ritter plus 1,500. I don't know. This thing is wide open. I think there's some value picks on a few of these guys. And Walker, to me, would be the guy's got 912 yards rushing in six games. Yeah. He's averaging 7.1 yards a carry. Already has nine TDs, four receptions for 30. Let's say this projects the next six and the, the sledding gets harder. So I'm not good. But a guy comes in with 1,800 yards and 18 TDs and he's averaging that kind of numbers. This year, I don't know. I'd like that at plus 1,200.
2: Sure. And that's, you know, that you, Pete's right about what the Heisman calculus has become is like, who are the best players on the undefeated teams or the teams that are in the playoff picture? I mean, if you if you want to really tie yourself in knots with that formula, which has been the way it goes, then like the the Heisman front runner is a nose tackle from Georgia, Jordan Davis, who's 6'6", 340 and is kind of the, the linchpin in the middle of that defense that's the best in the country. But nobody's giving the Heisman to a nose tackle. So. Why not somebody like should. Kenneth Walker? Oh, I mean maybe they should, but but it would require and a dexterity that Heisman voters have never shown.
1: Can, can you get the Riley Moss campaign going, Pat? Uh,
2: yeah, you know what? Uh, Seriously, although he hurt himself, we'll see how you know if, if he's going to be uh, out and if so, for how long. But you know, it
1: it would be a year where a defender could rise, right? Yeah, like it, it's that sure. the 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 field has flattened to that, but. Kayvon Thibodeau missed that uh missed that Ohio State game and you kinda missed he kinda missed his window. Kyle Hamilton's really a special player at yeah. Notre Dame, but they're just not they're they're not good enough and uh it's it's pretty uh it's pretty mediocre I mean Malik Willis was a name that wasn't on there um he's obviously a quarterback but I I just don't think you almost have to be perfect at that level he has not been perfect Derek Stingley is a defender who's like talented enough to be in the conversation I doubt we see him play another snap for LSU I'd be I'd be pretty surprised he's he he just got they just announced his injury and out indefinitely. And with his draft stock, that's uh, pretty surprising to see him uh, to see him come back. So, yeah, if, if your calculus is elite talent and you have to be on a team that has
0: a has a pulse, I don't know where I don't know where you go with the answer. It's, it's going to be interesting, but he's going to have that platform going forward. But his oh, numbers yeah. are 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 incredible. And, and, and Mel Tucker has got to be in the running for coach of the year. I mean, this is sure. We'll see where this goes. But Nobody. His second year takes over just a moribund program, works the transfer portal incredibly, rebuilds the team, and has them looking tremendous. One more quick note on Michigan. I wanted to add. I forgot from earlier. You were talking about checking boxes, Pat, with Michigan. One of the boxes was, you know, Harbaugh redid his his assistants, redid his staff, and he went young. Almost everyone's under forty. They're all, re- you know, they were kind of seen as recruiters. There's a lot of new fresh blood. They were going to get out there. And the question was, okay, maybe they'll help on the recruiting trail. Maybe they'll do this. They'll get some energy. But can they coach at the level of the older hands? And guess what? They're better. This team right. is better, performing yeah. much better. They're much looser. They're mu- they're more effective. So that has not been the problem at all for Michigan. that's a box to and a credit to those young guys who came in and, and got that chance. So uh, I just wanted to add that. All right, a couple more results here that have some implications. Boise State ends the BYU conundrum, beats a, a a top 10 team for the first time in uh, this is 2010, 26-17 in Provo. That pretty much should end the, the big debate of like, what do you do with BYU if they win all these games? Because they were going to have, I think, seven or eight power five victories if, if they did that. Five over the Pac-12 and a good Boise State program. So, they're pretty much out of the national title chase. Cincinnati takes care of business on Friday night over a bad Temple team. The more important result was a really an an epic Notre Dame Virginia Tech game that unfortunately it was on the ACC network, so very few people saw it, but it was very dramatic. Notre Dame wins, and man, Cincinnati needs Notre Dame to be eleven and one to win these debates as this goes forward. Because you know that's that's their win, so that little bit of of the thing can a power can a can a group of five team get there uh, makes you know just adds to that thing. I still think it's going to be tough sledding for Cincinnati. I do not think undefeated just gets them in. They're going to need help. They've gotten a lot, but they're going to need more, and they really needed Oklahoma to lose the other day. Yeah,
2: no, that, yes, they sure did. That that result hurt them. But that yes, if you're Cincinnati, you know, like your hierarchy of needs are first of all, yes, win all your games. Secondly, root like hell for Notre Dame to win all the rest of their games. Uh if Indiana wins more games, that's also a bonus. And then you do need, you need a you probably need an Oklahoma loss. Uh you certainly it would be fine if if Oregon loses another one, if some of these big 10 teams knock each other off and you just start clearing out some of the competition so that at 12-0, even with a schedule that is Okay, but not great. You, you, you have a little bit of uh, of cushion there. If you get to twelve and zero, and eventually thirteen and zero,
1: yeah, Oklahoma is interesting going forward because they are a uh, wondrously flawed team, as we've seen in, in a bunch of different ways this year. And I really think all of a sudden uh, a big date on the calendar emerges that that we don't uh, that we would not have expected before the season. And I think it's that Oklahoma game at Baylor on uh, on November thirteenth. Baylor very quietly is is five and one. They thumped a good West Virginia team. Dave Aranda went two and seven last year. They they should be ranked uh, when the rankings come out this week. And their loss was at Oklahoma State, where there's 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 no shame to lose. And and obviously Oklahoma has to go to Oklahoma State at the end of the year. But I really feel like that Baylor game all of a sudden gets exponentially more juice than any of us would have imagined b- before the season. Baylor hosts BYU this week. That is. Arguably one of the five biggest games in the in the sport this weekend because you have you have uh, Kentucky Georgia obviously uh, that's where game day is going to be headed and then you have uh, BYU will be ranked Baylor should be ranked that's a top twenty five game so I just think that Baylor has just very quietly because of pre you know modest preseason expectations slid under the radar and they're going to be a problem going forward they get Texas the week after at home uh, or I think there might be a buy. But they have, they have consecutive home games now with BYU and Texas. And it'd be an interesting opportunity. I mean, Baylor, it wasn't that long ago. They were playing for the Big 12 title under Matt Rule. They were in the national conversation. And props to Dave Aranda for, you know, going through a year of tumult, figuring it out, connecting with his team. Hiring Jeff Grimes, the, the OC from, uh, from BYU, worked out really well. That'll be an interesting subplot this week. But I, I really think that becomes a huge obstacle for Oklahoma. I don't think this Oklahoma team is good enough to win in Waco and in Stillwater. I have a hard time imagining this Oklahoma team running the table. They're just—they might be
0: now. They got a new QB. Sure, sure. That defense, though. Yeah, yeah. We got to
1: tackle somebody.
0: Final result, and we'll get to uh, the other stuff. This podcast maybe going. uh, This thing could be like two hours long right now, and we could go another two. Auburn hosts Georgia. Cam Newton shows up. A shirtless Bruce Pearl shows up. (laughs) Okay, done to help Bulldogs. (laughs) Uh, roll 3410 setting up that huge game against Kentucky uh Georgia's like your one your one safe bet right now like it's your one one thing you can count on is Georgia and uh that game we'll talk a lot about that Kentucky Georgia game uh, as the week goes on but didn't want to just avoid the one team that just took care of business I mean beating Auburn like that at Auburn in that environment is an impressive victory it's not this is not the cam Newton Auburn team but they aren't that bad so uh, good on Georgia.
2: Right now, Georgia is way ahead of everyone else, I think, in terms of, of quality of uh, of body of work at this point. They, it, it is not close between first
0: and second. Yeah, and the eye test and every other test yeah. you can come up with. So yeah. um, when their wor- worst result was beating Clemson um, <laughs> right. by only a touchdown, you are doing pretty well. Uh, we've talked real Heisman, but we don't like to wait. Let's hand out some small sample Heisman's. Uh, who's got one? Hello, record book! Hello, small sample Heisman! How about
2: that? Having been at Iowa and seen them win, they, there's only one person I can give the small sample Heisman to, and that is their punter, Tory Taylor. <laughs> the, the Australian punter. I remember a couple of episodes ago, Dan was very disappointed to find out he wasn't like from Altoona or Ankney or whatever, but it was actually from Australia, yeah. but... The guy is an absolute stud. He's a big strapping dude, 6'4, 231. And he can, you know, he can punt with power like the Aussies do, but he's just lethal with his location. Hits those backward spinners, uh, and he just over and over and over kept uh pinning Penn State down there. And that was a huge key to winning the biggest game that Iowa's hosted in a long time. It is just it's a very, very Iowa thing that they love the punter. The punter has an NIL deal for gear sweatshirts and t-shirts that says punting is winning and there's nowhere else you would have that but <laughs> at iowa Did the you iowa buy fans one? at one point you better have bought one <laughs> yeah i will i will they weren't for sale at the stadium so okay but All
0: right. uh <laughs> It's a lot of hate on punting now. It really is. Yeah, They're like is. getting yeah. them bad. Punting's not cool. Except I know. At Iowa.
2: I know. We got a, you know, the coach at Presbyterian who's gotten a career out of not punting. But sometimes punting works and it's working for Tory Taylor and for Iowa. The Iowa fans at one point were chanting MVP at the punter, another thing that only <laughs> happens at Iowa. So Tory Taylor, small sample Heisman,
1: coffin corner kicker, extraordinaire. What? Pete? I am uh, going to go to a overlooked story, which is USC losing its third consecutive home pack 12 game. Like somewhere Pete Carroll's hair turned even more white. And I'm going to give my small sample seismic to Cameron Rising, the Utah quarterback who just obliterated the carcass of the USC program. He completed <laughs> 22 of 28 passes. He had three touchdowns. He had no interceptions. And Cam Rising, who is uh, – California native went back home and just absolutely sizzled in the Coliseum on uh, on Saturday night. And how sad is it for USC that they get blitzed on their home field? And I mean, they had to score 16 in the fourth to even like just not get obliterated like they were some you know Mountain West chum invited in for uh, for an early September game. So yeah, Cam Rising. Kyle Whittingham. That I, I don't care if you're at Utah and you can roll into the Coliseum and run them. That has to feel really, really good. So props to Cam for uh, lighting up the Trojans.
0: All right, Sully, you're gonna love this. Giving my small sample Heisman to Hendon Hooker. Oh, Tennessee quarterback. 17 to 23 225 yards three touchdowns uh this was a, a team affair tie on heaven's rest for 119 hooker also ran for 66 yards tennessee is in is, is is rolling in a way we weren't maybe expecting it's not the greatest team ever but they put 62 up on missouri they put 45 up on south carolina and they got old miss coming up which i think is going to be a really interesting game in an alabama after that so Tennessee balls look dead in the water after the Florida defeat and the Pitt defeat. Their offense has rallied, and they're doing some pretty good things. So I will give my small sample Heisman to the volunteers. All right, we uh, said a lot of mean things here this week, although the the games were so good, we we weren't really as bitter as normal. But still, we could always be nicer. Can we say something nice? Pete Thamel, can you say something nice?
1: Well, I wanted to say something nice about UMass, Dan, but I'm going to allow you, for all the generous donations you've given to your school, <laughs> I'm going to allow you to say something nice. So now I'm I, I am going I to, to pivot to the opposite end of college towns, and I'm going to pivot to old friend Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke has reborn his career in San Diego. What a place to do it. The Aztecs are five and zero. They're in first place in the uh, Mountain West West. They blitzed New Mexico thirty-one to seven, and uh, you know this is the rare microwaving of a coach and a program that's that's worked uh, that's worked perfectly. Brady Hoke has gone back after after losing at Mission, gone to San Diego State, where he was a winner and built another solid, consistent winner. So the Aztecs have not. Be, you know, beating enough high-profile teams to get in the CFP conversation, and really that you know New Year Six conversation is hard to weasel your way into now, too, because Cincinnati's kind of running away with that. But they blew out Arizona, they beaten a good Utah team, and they are just kind of rolling. And uh, good for that program, which obviously is trying to make a statement to the uh, to the Big Twelve. So, props to Brady. Yeah, doing a ground
2: and pound uh, style there. They they they're, they're, they're uh, a physical run play defense kind of team i'm gonna say something nice about i got i got to say about iowa because it was my first time going to a game there and everything about it was phenomenal i mean the atmosphere was great the fans were phenomenal the iowa wave was really touching to see everyone doing it including the penn state team including the officials everybody turned and waved at the children's hospital uh, at the end of the first quarter it was it's it's one of those very cool you know, extremely unique uh, traditions. That's blown up, and I, th- it's it's a feel good moment for sure. Uh, and then even I got to go beyond that, just from a media perspective. Like I would, this is a huge game, but they took care of everything extremely well. They, you know, everything worked right. And then post game, we got probably at least six players, uh, and they boom, 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 running them in and out. And you know, they they did great with that. And then. Kirk Ferentz stood there and answered questions for so long that I was like, I got to go. I've got to go write this story. And Ferentz see, at one point said, because like, people were tripping over each other trying to ask him questions, he said, hey, I'll stay here all night. What What do you guys need? And so, <laughs> you know, there's there's plenty of coaches you don't get that from. And I understand he's feeling good after a big victory, but but it was a... All all the way around. It was just a, a a good show on a big day that went off really really well for Iowa. All
0: right. Well, I guess I got to say something nice about UMass, so I will. I, <laughs> if one of you picked them first, I was going to say something nice about UTEP, uh, my other mm. favorite. I didn't yeah. go to UTEP, but I have a kinship with the old Texas Western School, which is now five and one. It's amazing. It's pretty amazing. Dana Dimmel took over an zero and twelve program, at right? one and eleven, one and eleven, three and five, and now five and one. Uh, their only losses to Boise playing great football down there in El Paso. But I will say UMass, the UMass UConn game, neither team had won since 2019. Walt Bell, their coach, had one victory in his career at UMass, now in his third season, and that was over an 0-12 Akron team back in 2019. Last year, albeit they only played four games, the Minutemen scored 10 points the whole season. Actually, 12 points, 10 offensive points and a safety. That was their uh a 12 point season. Now, granted, small. They're playing a Yukon team, which is epically bad. The game becomes comic fodder, worst game, you know, maybe ever, all this different stuff. UMass wins the game, whatever. Someone had to win. Um, if you're UConn, man, UConn's interim head coach had COVID and couldn't coach the game, of course. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. Eric couldn't make it up but this is what makes college football great. UMass wins their student body who God bless them came. Some of them came to the game, storms the field. It's a little more of a, like a a gathering at midfield (laughs) than maybe like the Texas (laughs) A&M storming. It was like some guys waiting for the bus like in downtown Amherst, but they storm the field. The players celebrate like they won the the Fiesta Bowl. They get in the locker room. There's video of this epic celebration. And you know what? That is what makes college football great. The worst game of the year, the worst game in years, <laughs> it, it sets off this great celebration. And God bless it. They work hard. They lift and weights six. They're doing all this stuff. They never win. They finally win. Hell, have a great night. I loved it. I love when uh, you get that kind of a of, of a celebration on a game that is just otherwise embarrassing. So great job, my my UMass Minutemen. <laughs> Is that gonna spur you to make a donation? Right now, is it's gonna get you off your wallet. No. Like I said, I was educated very well there to know you to make money, not give them money. So no. See how nice their locker room is? Yeah. What yeah. the hell? Yeah. That thing looked they pretty have a nice. a
1: football facility. I've I've been there and uh it's it's a very nice football facility. I, I the first time I walked in, I was I was impressed. Uh, it, part of this job, you go to a lot of football facilities, right? And everyone wants to show you the weight room, right, Pat? Oh, like, yeah. oh, let me show you oh, the yeah. weight room. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. oh, right. um, yeah. UMass facility is uh, is very nice. Here's my question, Dan. Do you think it was more credit at midfield in the moments after the game or at Antonio's Pizza at two in the morning with the barbers? Always, uh, Antonio. rush?
0: always okay. Antonio's. Hot cheese up front. Yeah, no, that's, but that's, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be a pecking order. How far things. is <laughs> it?
2: How far is the, the stadium from, like, the dorms where everybody lives. You can walk it. Okay. So yeah, I, I wonder if ice. maybe, like, yeah, fourth quarter, right. they're like, hey, it's we're going to win, a, we're gonna win a game. The Let's go over there. Let's
0: go run on the field. It's it's not like Alabama where it's, like, the campus. Yeah. Like, you drive to like, right. oh, my God, look at the size. Of, it's, like, dwarfs the, uh, the president's house is, like, right next to it. Yeah. Like Brian Denny. You're like, oh, that's where the place. Where's Nick Saban live? He lives in that big building. Um, Yeah. No, you could could totally go to the game. I just wonder. You know, I just just wonder if they walked in in the fourth quarter
2: like, hey, we're going to win. Let's go run on the field.
0: They might (laughs) have. They might have. Yeah. I'm sure they hopefully they open the gates. Good place to social distance. Uh, Anyway, good for that. (laughs) Absolutely incredible Sunday, uh, Saturday. So uh, we tried to, we we got through some of the games. We couldn't get through them all, Uh, but we'll get back more on. uh, We'll be back on Tuesday, with our regular podcast and later in the week with the race for the case, please continue to listen, share us on social media, spread the word, tell your friends uh, and leave us nice reviews. Uh, We've had record listenership for months now. It just keeps going up and up and up and up. But uh we're we're free. You get what you pay for, and we can take more. So we'll uh, we'll take them. So we will talk to you later.